Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Here we go Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, bow, I'm Sam Lifty Delaney, so what? Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, it's not Christmas yet, though, is it? I don't know when's this going out. I've got it written down some, I think this is going out on Christmas Eve, maybe. This is definitely a Christmassy episode. Oh, it's Christmas flavoured, completely, yeah. yeah, we've pre-recorded this in August. It tastes uh, of raisins, raisins and more- spices. Most Christmas specials are recorded in August. Um, Slade's Merry Christmas, everybody, was recorded in the height of summer. Is that right? Um, Jules Holland's uh, New Year's Eve. Um, Cancer What's it called? Hootenanny. That's normally recorded County on nanny. June the 21st, the, the longest day of the year. Ladies and gentlemen. I would. Ladies and gentlemen, the flaming lips. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the Cunt and Nanny once. Did you? I went there with the recording. It was brilliant. Yeah, well, except there wasn't any booze available. So yeah, a pre-lord before I bet we you were the in. only commoner there. Whenever I see the audience, it always just looks like a bunch of, like, I don't know, sort it's, of cunts who, who don't really own any music B- in their house. BBC staff memo, do you think? It's yeah. <laughs> Free tickets available for the Hootenanny. I've noticed it's this always been 100% white. <clears throat> but maybe that's changed now. And I've got nothing against Jules Holland. I think he's actually great, Jules Holland. I think Jules Holland's brilliant. Yeah, he's a yeah. legend. He's a legend, and it is actually a good show, but it's just got that sort of kind of, yeah, middle-class staleness about it, I think, that, mm. that does it deserves. But they've had fucking amazing... I mean, it's been going for so many years, hasn't it? And I've seen some yeah, amazing that's... performances on there, but for some reason, yeah. I just think... Ugh. Mind you, the other day I saw um, when they did McCartney at the BBC on McCartney mm. night... Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, I know you watched it, but one of the clips they showed was him just a few years ago doing Lady Madonna, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. behind him, it was both his daughters, right? Yeah. Mary and, and Stella and their respective husbands. I actually know um, Mary's husband quite well and I saw him. Oh, <laughs> And do I you? thought, I have two degrees of separation from Paul McCartney. <laughs> But whenever I speak to him, I never bring up Paul McCartney because I'm too shy. But occasionally he will just casually say my uh, dad-in-law and then just mention something about him. And I'll be like, I know who he means, but I'm not going to say anything. He's famous. I'm too cool to get excited about this. I am really excited and I've done a bit of piss. (laughs) I've done a bit of piss in my pants. (laughs) Right. He's a really nice guy. I call it a piss for Paul. When I saw him in that clip, I thought, "Ah, I know him. I've done a bit of piss again. (laughs) But what? This is the thing that caught my attention the most, right? (laughs) Stella McCartney, who I've never... I've never been particularly triggered by not one way or the other not really thought about her like that All right, yeah. she's so into her dad doing Lady Madonna and Lady right. Madonna is a very sort of soulful track as well 
and she's mm. sort of dancing to it and you know it's not because the cameras are watching her you know she's just fucking so just deep really into what is yeah. obviously a, an astonishing song and he's yeah. doing it really well because he's fucking banging away on the piano doing it yeah. and she's just in her chair but she's going like she's grooving to it in such a way that I was fully triggered by Stella McCartney Whoa. like it, I, I was fully triggered by her which as you know Good. very rarely happens to me I'm not, not that <clears> triggerable <throat> but that really triggered me it's something about I'm someone bothered. really losing themselves in a very natural way in a song that mm. can be very triggerable it's like when yeah. you see Emma Stone in La La Land when she's dancing to um, uh, the, the band at the party who are doing 80s oh, cover tracks oh you about this before yeah, yeah I, think, I still haven't got around to watching that I think it's Iran they, she requests Iran they start playing it and she starts dancing to it in a way that is like... And again, Emma Stone's not someone I'm like, oh, Emma Stone. But she starts mm. to... And it's, it, it's just the dancing sometimes can send you, like... It can just trigger a man or a woman. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's horrible to be controlled like that, I guess, by exterior forces. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Where were we? Dead Jules Holland... Yeah, I went to the Hootenanny. Have you seen that photograph of me and Damon Alban together? I think I have. I've tweeted a few times where yeah. Damon Alban is clearly shit-faced. Yeah. And I'm just looking at more quizzical. That was in the toilets at the Hootenanny. You went with your mate, didn't the, you? The, yeah. Well, I, I know I know a fella who, who used to do the PR for, for later. Ah. And he got us in. He snuck us in. And he even brought us a pint each. And there were no drinks to be had. Wow. among the crowd and we were looking to real privilege. given a pint I, would, I mean I'm, I'm sat it's slagging it off a bit but I'd fucking love to go I mean it was a great night who was on Dexys were on I walked past Kevin Rowland oh on my way to the toilet Dexys were on um, Petula Clark was on wow uh, Roland Gift Damon oh Alban God. was on with Damon Alban was on with I think it was Bobby Womack oh was my with. God so, yeah, so there's some good shit on. That's amazing. And 2012. And it's, oh, it's quite a small room. So you're seeing that what, really what amounts small. to like yeah. a private gig yeah. of all of these amazing it, artists. Obviously, it looks massive when you see it on the TV and it looks like they're in the round kind of thing. It's a massive yeah. circle, but it's just the way the cameras are positioned. It's really small. Uh, but this, it went on for about four hours plus four, maybe five hours to get everything in and to set everything up for each performance and then they reshot bits and then we had a countdown before midnight which probably happened at about 10 past 11 in real time yeah and the big clock on the wall at the av fucking went off and everything that was dead good dead good um so yeah um jules holland though i won't have a word said against working class boy made good people don't like that kind of thing Oh, he's fucking hall. great. I used, I love him when you look in the squeeze videos and he always had a massive cigar. That was his cigar, thing. Yeah. yeah, while he played yeah. piano. Yeah. He comes out uh, of that book that I read by, uh, what's his name? The Squeeze Book uh, by... Uh, Chris Difford. Yeah. He, um, he cut, you know, you know what it's like when you read memoirs, everyone's got little problems with different people who they were in a band with mm. all these years because there's all the politics and weird dynamics but mm. Jules Holland just comes out of it without, without anything other than just fucking relentless positivity <clears throat> from Chris yeah. Difford like just one of those guys that everyone likes 
Well, that's the thing. He's a funny, he's a funny, witty bloke. I've got, I've yeah. got Jules's autobiography, and I'll get right to it one day. I think oh, it'll yeah, be really good. good. I didn't know that I mean, existed. He, I'm going to read he, that. He, he, he helped play a part in the rise of Vic and Bob. He gave Vic and Bob his office to use to write the first series of Big Night Out in. Is that right? Fucking hell. Yeah. And the uh, the three of them formed their own motorcycle club back in the late eighties, early nineties. Oh yeah, because and oh that's interesting. Yeah, because I saw that that uh, Vic had a podcast with Jules Holland. But I didn't. Yeah. I didn't understand why. Now I know. Yeah, they're old mates. Yeah, Jules, Jules, and Jim's joyride. They get people on and talk about um, transport and travel and trips and things like that. Yeah, James Brown um, went on it. I haven't listened to that, but I will. Oh yeah, I've heard that one. It's good. It's good. Um, other podcasts are available. Where are we? Well, yeah. Anyway, get, get back to why we're here. It's we're looking at. The 1985 Christmas Day BBC One show, which began at noon, and it is the Noel Edmonds Late Late Christmas Breakfast. Now, of course, Noel Edmonds at the time was doing the Late Late Breakfast show on Saturday evenings. I think they the, called this the, the Live Live. Oh, the Live Live, sorry. It was the Live Live. Yeah, because, uh, of course, it was live, but the Late Late Breakfast show itself was live. And the Late Late Breakfast show was just basically his grown-up version of multicoloured swap shop. Yeah, that he'd moved on from. Um, so he was he was dominating live TV at this time. He he dominated radio in the seventies at Radio One. He bestrode he it, TV. didn't he? He bestrode live television in this country. Like a colossus, yeah, like a TV colossus. And and you see, yeah. so it foreshadows uh, Noel's house party. This particular broadcast in so many ways, mm. I think. Oh, completely. I mean, you look at the schedules now, and at this time of day, you probably get an Ardman Animations repeat. Yeah. Or something that's been on three years old, like Shaun the Sheep or something. Yeah. There's there's nothing similar to this on anymore. This one was an early version of his Christmas live broadcast, and in future years, it would um, ramp up the sentimentality, and they'd visit children's wards in hospitals and all that sort of yeah. thing. Um, but this was kind of, I think this might have been the first one. This was this was in its raw state. Um, and it's from, it's broadcast from the top of the British Telecom Tower yeah. in the centre of London, which, as we all know, is the highest building in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it uh, also doubles as a space rocket. It can actually, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it a building most of the time, but it can actually shoot up into space it's, if you press the button. That's it, it's... It's held down to the London pavement by some massive clips, and you just unclip it, and you can fire it into space yeah. and uh, explore other territories and galaxies. It's, it is an amazing building that I still get a kick out of every time I see it, and yeah. um, it's little wonder that Noel had a fascination with it. And over the years, um, sort of in the noughties, I was habitually involved in failed television pilots for various channels. Yeah. I mean... I always wish that I'd kept a collection of them all, right? But, like, so many different sort of pilots for, like, old Channel 4 doing a new breakfast show, whatever, fucking millions of them. And I would say 50% of the pitches were always, uh, the location was always suggested top of the telecom tower. Even though Noel had done it, like, in 1985, yeah. people were, TV producers were still obsessed with it. They thought it was, it was yeah. the ultimate wacky idea was to be up the telecom it's tower. TV equivalent of walking on the moon. Yes, yeah. it's been done, but why don't we do it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to a restaurant in Albania once in Tehrana, which uh, was at the top of a tower, and it revolved. Didn't they 
didn't the telecom tower have a restaurant similar that revolved or have I imagined that I want to say yeah I think that's why that Albania thing popped into my head I don't know if that's I feel like there was a revolving thing to it it certainly looks like it should revolve telecom tower restaurant if not spin yeah yeah revolving restaurant will turn completely every 23 minutes oh why was no one not up there probably weren't allowed to do spinning live broadcasts you probably had to be on a stable no, actually footing. says at one point. Now we wanted to revolve this broadcast, but unfortunately, EU red tape has put a stop <laughs> the, to that, as usual. The, the powers that be have had their say. Yeah. He has. He can't help. <laughs> now this is a running theme in all of Noel's work. He cannot help have little kind of bitter digs <laughs> at the powers that be. Management, like in everything. We listen yeah. to his Radio One stuff in the seventies. He's always going on about management. In this, he makes several digs at the BBC, and I'm there like, no, the BBC are paying you a huge sum and have set you up with this ludicrous fucking Christmas Day show that is entirely yeah. like the product of your own brain. And you know, you you want to. <laughs> I'm sure it must be frustrating sometimes, but you want to fucking check your privilege a bit because you are onto a cushy fucking number with the beep here. They're literally, this was Noel at the stage where he could, and it lasted for many years, where he just dreamt up fucking ideas, pitched them to the boss of the BBC, who at the time was, actually was Michael Grade, and they'd just go, yeah, fine, do it, Noel. Sign them off, blank check, get on with it. We complete trust. But um, the Tower restaurant opened in 1966, and it was actually closed by the time this show happened in 85. It closed in 1981. Um, it says, but all the hype turned the restaurant and the record-breaking tower itself into a target for terrorists. Ah. Uh, on Halloween night in 1971, a devastating bomb exploded in a men's toilet on the 31st floor. Wow. Nobody was hurt, but the damage took two years to repair and the once-packed restaurant was closed to the public. And the leaseholder decided not to renew and it was closed entirely in 1981. Do you know who the leaseholder of the revolving restaurant was? The Queen. If only. Almost. Butlins. Ah! <laughs> Butlins what a wonderful Butlins that would be. <laughs> <laughs> there were rumours the rotating diner would be restored to its former glory for the 2012 Olympics, but sadly it wasn't to be. So there we are. Um, so it closed by then, otherwise I'm sure Noel would have had the whole thing from the revolving restaurant. And there would have been like revolving cam or something pointing out the window so it could just like occasionally look and gaze over London's skyline the thing about but, Noel is that you that I, you know you're reminded of watching this is that what he genuinely wanted to be all the time was an innovator so for him yes. for him doing something that hadn't been done on TV before yeah. was yeah. always the goal and, and as I said before about Noel you know it, he's an enigma in as much as he couldn't really tell a joke he wasn't funny he he couldn't mm. sing or dance you know he wasn't a sort of journalist as such it was hard to kind of establish what his thing was but he was consistently hugely successful for many decades right and i think one of the things he saw himself at the reason for that was he always thought big right he yeah. thought tv is about but entertain is mass entertainment is big ideas show people shit that they haven't seen before that's going to amaze them like- I, to me, he was like a circus ringmaster yeah. of telly. Yeah. 
And the, that, that thing about technical achievements and new things, it underpins this entire two-hour broadcast. It does. And, and I started by thinking, while I'm watching it, I was even making notes, and, and I was watching on Saturday night, and I was thinking, uh, you know, and I was thinking, this is quite boring and shit and limited, yeah. right? At, at points, I felt that. I thought, if yeah. you take away the fact that, obviously, it's hilarious because Noel is... You know, if you if you look at Noel through the, the appropriate lens, he is relentlessly hilarious because he's such <laughs> fetch a strange man. Fetch me my appropriate man. lens, darling. Yeah, for, fetch me my fucking Noel Edmonds lens, right? But I thought, actually, on the face of it, what the fuck's going on here? This is well boring. But then I realised, well, it's 1985, and we're so used now to the fact that we could be broadcasting this, what we're doing right now, live in high definition across the fucking planet, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and probably get some sort of free app that could add all sorts of special effects to it as well. Right now, yeah. if we wanted, you get so used yeah. to that that you forget what what was constituted amazing fucking broadcast achievements in 1985. <clears throat> so actually, yeah. the things he does, like the bit with the plane, which we'll get to, probably the best mm-hmm. bit, and and crossing to Sudan which they're mm. really proud of. And I personally found, it's awful to say, easily the most boring bit. In fact, I think I skipped it. <laughs> Completely. I've, I've watched right. it. I've got notes on that as well. But they were so, they're so <laughs> delighted when they crossed to Sudan. They go, we are going live to Sudan. This has never been done before. And I think, oh, right. And he goes, and it's a place that you've heard loads about this year. He builds it up yeah. like it's like... Sort of some sort all of sexy the, place. Yeah, everyone's all the talking about it. Starving lads and lasses over there. It's the word Dying on, like on the tip of everyone's tongues. That's right. <laughs> Sudan. Here we are. It was like when he used to do that. What was that thing called uh, when he suddenly appeared on your TV on House Party? NTV, wasn't it? Yeah. NTV. And it's like, and here we go. Bang. We're in the Sudan. The Sudan. And it's awful because they're doing this two way in the Sudan. It's obviously hugely patronising. And there's a load of like aid workers there just basically saying, yeah, all these kids were fucked a few months ago. They're either already dead or about to die. Look at them now. They're having the time of their lives, thanks to us. They're having a disco. We brought some porridge over and they're having a laugh now. We brought, we brought a ton of fucking porridge oats and a couple of fucking disco balls. And now look, <laughs> it's fucking mental. <laughs> all thanks to you, Noel. Anyway, all the best. <laughs> so at the beginning right the intro sequence is incredible <laughs> it's uh there's there's a breakfast table which i think it might just be imported from the late late breakfast show intro title this, this was but, this was uh ripped off years later as was a huge amount of this what i realized was by the big breakfast the big, yeah, the big breakfast, which people say... Chris Evans has got a lot to thank yeah, Noel for. If you say, like, that, that big breakfast, people would say, and I would say, you know, just say, oh, yeah, big breakfast was landmark TV. It changed mm. a lot of things. It influenced TV for many years afterwards. The little techniques. That's what I would have said until I saw this and thought, actually, no, hang yeah. on a minute. Noel must have fucking sat home watching the big breakfast, fuming. These fucking cunts. Ah, what are they? Don't. It, fucking mention the word Chris Evans in my fucking presence again. It's not. It's not even seven fucking years since the Late Late Breakfast show was cancelled thanks to that accident, which I had nothing to do with. And look at these cunts now. Uh, yeah. Fucking. Me body's not even fucking warm in the grave. 
and they're fucking doing this. Chris Evans made so he's so rich. I mean, he is stinking rich. And I think mm. Noel's obviously made a lot of money as well, although he's also lost a few quid. But it must frustrate Noel, like the amount yeah. that Evans has fucking made out of. Yeah. Because w- w- I think they're really similar as well. In that, look at Chris Evans. Is he funny? No. Right. Uh, he, he's not a journalist. He's not a comedian. He, you know, there's not. You can't quite work out what it is that he does. But what he does is really popular and successful. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, here comes my tea and cake, delivered by my Whoa, good wife. Thank you very much. Look at that. And, um, <clears throat> and they're really similar. And what they both do, right, is that exactly as you describe, it's the ringmaster thing. What they do is yeah. they innovate. They have brilliant ideas. Both of them have a gift for knowing what sort of ideas and formats would appeal to mass mm. audiences. But also what they do is they generate an atmosphere. They have what can only be described as an infectious enthusiasm. But I think Chris Evans, practically everything he learned came from Noel Edmonds one way or another. I've just Googled both of their names and there's very little uh, where Noel has ever commented about Chris Evans in in any way, shape or form. I wish when I'd interviewed him, I'd have asked him more. But I do remember when I did that interview, wanting to speak to Chris Evans because I always want yeah. other voices. Say, and I couldn't for some reason I couldn't get in touch with him, or, or he didn't want to comment. But that's what I'd really like to do: is say to Chris Evans, "Right, what have you got to say about fucking Noel? Come on, spit it out. Got anything to say? Thank you very much, Noel. For example." Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. You know Marina Hyde, who writes yeah. The Guardian? It's a piece she wrote in 2015, and she's talking about Noel. She says, if you, if you can read the following without coming to a conclusion about what Noel really feels about new Top Gear host Chris Evans, you are a purer soul than I. And this is quotes from the Daily Mirror. Noel says, it's interesting. I was a guest on Chris's boat at the Monaco Grand Prix, and we had a chat. Chris said he wouldn't touch Top Gear with a barge pole. He said how tired he was, and he did look tired. And so I was stunned when within weeks he had not only shown interest but accepted the job 
I just hope it's not taking on too much. He goes on. He says, he's a brilliant talent. He's also a a mercurial talent in a Kenny Everett and Clarkson mould. He will need to be managed and supported. Otherwise, he could just burn out and make some shocking mistakes. (laughs) He says, I hope it works out for him. I'm a big fan of his. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, okay. You said it all there, Noel. Yeah, and there's very little... Enough said. With next Noel question. Who do you Evans. want me to pass comment on next? I will not speak about Chris Evans ever again. <laughs> Go on, ask me about Johnny Vaughan now. <laughs> I'm a he big fan of his an, too. There's an interview as well, talking about doing Swap Shop, saying it was a privilege. And he says, uh, for six years, it was a massive privilege. I'll always be grateful to the BBC for that. It was just wonderful that people like Chris Evans were inspired by a bloke called Noel Edmonds, who used to spin records. And then he says, and Philip Schofield says that he was inspired by seeing me behind the desk on Swap Shop. He couldn't hold a fucking candle to me. (laughs) Pip fucking Schofield, don't make me laugh. Never come up with an original idea in his life since he had that fucking puppet sat next to him. And I tell you what, that cunt called Nagofa, he was no fucking posh paws. Next question. (laughs) Posh paws would have eaten that cunt for breakfast. (laughs) Yeah, not a lot of... uh... Not a lot of stuff between... Not a lot of crossover between Noel Evans and Chris Evans there. I don't know. I mean, I don't watch... uh, It sounds like a pompous thing to say, but I genuinely don't watch much TV of that nature anymore. I I just don't Mm. watch it, but... So I don't... I was about to say there's no one like that anymore. I mean, Chris Evans is obviously still around, but he's very much a man of the 90s who's still going strong today. But he does his virgin radio thing now, doesn't he? But, uh, who you know, these guys, I suppose Kenny Everett as well, although he wasn't quite as big as Nolan Chris Evans were, who are broadcasters, but in fact what they are is like like they're expert... Fuck, they're they're expert... They're entertainment experts... So yeah, they're yeah. on camera. Facilitators. Them, but them, it's more about their ability to have <clears throat> fucking amazing ideas that people love, yeah. right? And yeah. Ant and Deck are the best people on TV in terms of live presenting. But even yeah. they, I don't know to what degree they're involved in coming up with stuff. I think they're just mm. a couple of extremely funny, charismatic lads and yeah. just present. Whereas <clears throat> Noel Edmonds, he, he was no way as good a presenter as and deck they're probably the best of all time but in terms of his fucking ideas it was the, it was all his I think as far as I understand it yeah I mean if it wasn't he certainly had a good team around him that sort yeah. of helped him out but it was, he, he drove it all I think but the, the the getting back to the opening titles of this as I say there's a big there's a breakfast table there with, with generic tea cereal box and all that on and it keeps cutting away from that to various action images yeah so we've got Noel in, up in his helicopter. Of course. Helicopters loom large throughout this entire yeah, fucking Yeah, he's fucking obsessed show. with them. He had his, his own helicopter company things. at this stage, which provided all the helicopter. He, he had his own helicopter oh, company, and he provided all the helicopters to <clears throat> Live Aid. He came and he, 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 he was the guest star appearance at a local summer fete up here right. in 1983. And of course he arrived in his helicopter of course, yes. and landed in the he? middle of the field. Of course he did. It's like Keegan everything style. he did was just... Like, it was like when he was a kid, his biggest dream was to have a <laughs> helicopter. 
and everything he did like in TV that was just a sideshow it's all to facilitate his love yeah. of helicopters Noel Edmonds is the Kevin Keegan of television he is yeah and vice versa and yeah. Keegan is the Noel Edmonds of football ran on pure in energy and enthusiasm <laughs> yeah uh, um, so there's there's all these images in the opening titles Noel's up in his helicopter then we see a motorcyclist jumping through a hoop of fire uh, then we see a woman escaping from a wooden box underwater. Um, <laughs> these, of course, because they used to do this on Little Breakfast Show. They'd have someone doing a stunt every week, wouldn't yeah. they? And this was what it fell foul eventually because that poor guy, Michael Lush, died doing a stunt, and that was the end of the Little Breakfast Show. There's an interview on Wogan with Noel about eight weeks after this happened. Have you seen it before? No. Oh, Sam, you need to see it. It's like it's after the fallout of the 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 death and the cancellation of the show. And Noel's on Wogan, and obviously he makes the right noises about how terrible and tragic it was. But then he kind of pivots in towards how it's all been really bad for him <laughs> and his career <laughs> and everything. You've got to watch it. Well, we'll probably do a deep dive about it one day. Yeah, Maybe history box. What a fucking so meeting of minds, him and Wogan. Oh yeah. So that but Wogan's, Wogan's a bit cannier. Wogan's got a bit more kind of self-awareness, I think, than Noel has. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would not compare the two in terms of their broadcasts. I mean, Wogan is a is a Rolls-Royce broadcaster. In, in terms of the big broadcasting giants, BBC giants. Yeah. They've got their own flaws at TV Centre. So there's a woman escaping from a wooden box underwater. Then we see some firemen who are putting out a massive blaze, or maybe they're creating it. It's hard to tell. Then there's a clip cuts to a, a man putting his head in a dolphin's mouth. You see all the teeth in the dolphin's mouth. There's a motorcyclist riding around inside one of those ball cage things. You don't and see that as much you, you see that you don't see at that least once much. a week on TV in the 80s, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Again, that's a circus ringmaster kind of trick, isn't it? You see some water skiers. There's a brilliant couple of seconds clip where you see a car falling vertically out of the sky it's obviously been held up by some kind of crane and it falls straight down on top of another car mm. for reasons that are completely inexplicable but, but it looks when brilliant. I was watching this what I like to because by the way none of these things actually happen on the show nothing even no, remotely no, no, like no. any of this happens so nothing. in a way you're being <laughs> fooled because it looks like a teaser like it's a bit like a Ripley's Believe It or Not. You're going to yeah, yeah. see the most jaw-dropping yeah. feats of fucking extreme daring do, right, that you could <laughs> ever conceive of. But in fact, it's not. It's just most of the shows like Mike Smith on, are like doing silly sports on a village green somewhere, right? Exactly. But there's, there's a- I like to imagine that it wasn't stuff that they already had from the archive, but that Noel, when he sat planning the show <laughs> with his team of producers, he goes, right, opening titles. Obviously, there's going to be footage of a giant <laughs> breakfast table. That's standard. But there's some clips that I'm going to want as well to get people revved up. I've got a shopping list here. Write this down. One, I want a what? I want you to film a woman escaping from a box underwater. Two, I want a fella sticking his head into the mouth of a dolphin. Three, I want someone riding round and round on the inside of one of them barrels on a motorbike. Four, I want you to drop a car from a crane on top of another car. This is the shit we need. It's Christmas, right? People want entertainment. These are the clips we're going to need to get so, people hooked in. So, so, so we we just we read the archives for this footage. No, all. no, no, we do it ourselves. It has Go to be genuine. Go and fucking do it. 
I don't care how much it fucking costs. Get it film. I want a woman escaping from a box on a bed in a sucker fucking sea. And I'm not going on air unless we've got it. <laughs> and then at the end, there's a man standing on top of a biplane of as course. it's flying around. Classic 80s daring do sort of footage. And it's the Noel Edmonds Live Live Christmas Breakfast Show, and it's two hours of it, and it's all on YouTube. Can I just um, say as well so- that before if this bit even kicks off, I really like the way that he speaks over the guy. He, there's a link from, I think, like the news or the continuity announcer. Yes. He sort yeah. of throws live to Noel, almost to yeah. prove that it's live. Because that yeah. was part of Christmas Day broadcasting, like you say. It was like, make it feel like an event, make it feel like the BBC are doing mm. a load of live stuff to celebrate the most exciting day of the year. And but that, so- that'll, that, that's Noel doing his groundbreaking thing because continuity announcers never interacted with anybody. Exactly, they just announced Noel the would have understood shows. this makes Noel's it seem got, extra yeah, yeah. special. But what's funny yeah, is... I want to talk to the continuity announcer. The continuity announcer is A, very posh and stiff and BBC, and B... Yes is unused, for the reasons you just said, to having to ever interact. A continuity announcer just sits in a nice, cosy studio on his own and reads off a piece of paper. So they said, no one wants to have a two-way with you, okay? Yeah. And he said, oh, I see, very well. So you'll notice, and this is one of my favourite bits of the whole two hours, but it's the first thing you see, is that he's trying to talk to Noel. He goes, well, Noel, it's over to you now, and thank you very much, and I wish you all the best. And as he's saying all this, Noel just talks over him. He's still talking, and Noel just ignores him and goes, "Right, welcome to the live live breakfast yeah, show, and Merry yeah. Christmas, everyone." And the bloke's just like, "Oh, oh okay, I'll shut up, shall I?" Noel's autocue will be rolling at this point, and he's not yeah. having any other kind of interruption from anywhere. That. And, and he'll have gone mad the first opportunity he got when they go to a clip. Who was that fucking continuity man? <laughs> t- tried to fucking you- crash my lines, the cunt. Have him fired. <laughs> you asked for him, Noel. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> oh, he fucked it up. <laughs> The continuity fellow, when his mic went off, he'd have gone, oh, that didn't go very well, the cunt. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, there. well, you get that on the radio. Like, I'm not doing that on, again. Where, uh, on, on, on the radio, Talk Sport was the classic where you have to do a two-way. And yeah. um, sometimes, like, the show before you would be broadcasting from a location or the show after you, and the producer says in your ear, you just got to do a quick two-way with the next host, right? Yeah. And there would be certain hosts, who shall remain nameless, who would make it <laughs> their business to trip you up, right? <laughs> so there was a yeah. the, the producer said to me, right, you're going to... It was when I was first starting, and he goes, right, you've got to do a sort of a handover with the previous host. He will try to fuck with you. And I go, how? He'll go, he'll, he'll ask you a question, then as you start to answer, he'll say we're out of time or something like that, or he'll make sure your mic's down, or he'll pretend the line's down and he can't hear you, or, or he'll do something to fuck with you. And I go, oh, right, okay. And, you know, when you're young and sort of naive about it, you go, okay, what, why will he do that? And the producer just looked blank at me as if I was, like, the biggest idiot in the world. He goes, oh, because he's a cunt. <laughs> And I go, oh, right, okay, I see. Like that. And then you go into that's it. That's how it is. Knowing yeah. that, that that's how it is. It's dog eat dog. Yeah. There's a, there's a fake camaraderie, but everyone will try and fuck with you, even if they're not cunts. But the ones who are cunts, they'll really go out of their way to fuck with you. And there is also <laughs> another one, different one, 
who, when you and I were doing a, uh, whenever you and I stood in on the warm up on Saturday or Sunday, there was a broadcaster, <laughs> and they'd say he's coming up next, and he always had he'd have a co-host who was an ex-pro, and. Don't you remember? We'd always noticed that he would never... He was lined up until he found out it was us and not the usual presenters. And then he would always mysteriously <gasps> not come on air and either send someone yes. else to do it or just we wouldn't yes. do a handover. Because it was a classic case of, I'll be fucked if I'm talking to those couple of clowns. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly I remember now. Yeah, yeah. But I always yeah. sympathised with him for that. I didn't... I just thought, fine, mate. Oh, completely. You're a yeah, serious broadcaster, and we really are yeah. a couple of clowns, and it is yeah. beneath you to have to interact with us. So <laughs> I would never take it like the wrong way. I'd always think, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> um, so this thing begins then at 620 feet above London, as Noel delights in telling us. He talks about some of the stuff that's coming up. Uh, there's going to be some lads racing up the tower. Yeah. Up all the stairs for the world record He makes a, a big deal of them attempt. being absolutely bonkers, doesn't he? Which is his sort yeah, of yeah. running motif throughout this show and yeah, pretty much every get, show he ever we, did was, we, we get these people reference. are absolute idiots. Where do we find <laughs> we these get, nutters? Yeah, we get reference to idiots and loonies. Loonies, and yeah. And they're all bonkers. And it doesn't and seem loonies. that loony to me at all. It's just they're running up a load it's of not, stairs. They're just Yeah, they're trying to break a world record, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Serious business. They're not fucking about. He says, there's the, here's the phone people who are taking calls and messages for your dedications. Yeah. Some they'll read out, some they'll put on the screen. All of the dedications will appear on CFAX, which is massive. It's all achievement, 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 isn't it? Pioneering, groundbreaking stuff. Uh, he says, a percentage of the money from the calls will be donated to a charity. doesn't go into any details about the percentage or even, I don't think, the charity itself, but, you know, that sounds good. He, he says... He's quite patronising to the phone people, as he calls them. Of course. He, yeah, he yeah. goes up to one of them and he goes, and we're getting all these messages in. Have you got one for me, Viv? He stops and yeah. he make, as if it's not fucking rehearsed and scripted, he makes out that he stops yeah. at random and that he knows all of their names, right? Is that the one where she passes him a message and he goes, I can't read this, what does this say? Yeah, yeah. That's an early <laughs> bit of him already getting cross. He goes, have you got one for me, Viv? And she gives him a bit of paper. And then he sort of thinks, i better interact a bit more. So he says to her in yeah. this really sort of stilted, patronising way, he puts on a voice, he goes, Merry Christmas, as if it's like a joke <laughs> that he's wishing her Merry Christmas. She, she just looks at him and goes, yeah, all right, mate. And then he takes the card and goes, I can't bloody read this anyway. <laughs> this has already gone to shit. Fire bit, Viv, you're fired. <laughs> uh, but he tries to laugh it off. It's all part of life fun, isn't it? Uh, he loves he all of that. He loves all the, like, contrived chaos. Yeah. His favourite thing is things going wrong. And that's what foreshadows House Party. Because House Party, that entire idea of Noel's House Party, which ran for years, was let's make a show where everything appears to go wrong because people love that. Well, me me son at the minute is banging to that thing on BBC One, the player that goes wrong. Right. Have you seen it? No, I've heard of it. It started in the West End. They've made a TV series out of it. And it's basically actors putting on a player and everything goes wrong that could possibly go wrong. And me son pisses himself laughing at it because it's that thing of just stuff going wrong that you don't expect even though it's all scripted in this thing yeah but that that whole notion of stuff fucking up is hilarious and he loves that so this is like probably born out of well that's what i mean that's ultimately when he thought right what noel was good at was they now call it in the tech world they call it oh what do they call it it's not unbundling it's where you take 
an idea that already exists and then yeah. you separate it into its different component parts and you turn each right. of those component parts into a thing of itself, mm. right? And I think right. Noel was really good at that in that he, he thought, right, what's the best bit on this TV show? Well, why don't we yeah. just fill it that out and turn that into a TV show at its own? So yeah. I think yeah. once he realised on things like his radio show and Swap Shop that the chaotic nature of live TV was what really appealed to audiences, he thought, well, yeah. how can we ramp up and amplify mm. the chaos as much as possible, right? And yeah. make that the whole show. And that is what gave you Mr. Blobby. Because Mr. That's, Blobby that's, is exactly. just like a sort yeah. of an embodiment of chaos. Of that idea, yeah. Yeah, and so he said, what we're going to do on the new show is I'm going to have a cunt in a costume whose whole job it is Mm. is to turn up and cause fucking mayhem non-stop. There's no way we can guarantee chaos unless we create it ourselves. Yeah, exactly. This is the cipher. And I reckon Mr. (laughs) Blobby might have originally been called Mr. Chaos. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But no, thought that was too on the nose. So at the last minute, he changed it to Mr. Blobby. So... uh, and then he says, we're going to be doing the world's first ever computer draw. Yeah, later he on. fucking loves that. It's like, and and it's get like, ready for what? that, because that comes later in the show, and it's amazing. <laughs> it is. We'll come to that it's, later it's on. It's one of the most amazing um, things ever, the computer draw. Which, obviously, it just sounds like the most fucking benign thing ever. It's just the easiest thing you could possibly do. Now I you can't do a imagine a draw that's not now. done by computer. You'd be yeah, suspicious yeah. of any draw that was not done well, by I computer. Well, I mean, we had the fucking... Champions the, League. The Champions League draw a couple of weeks yeah. ago, which was derailed by some kind of computer error they couldn't really explain. But um, I don't know what that was about. And then he announces the live link-up with the Sudan, which we've already mentioned. And he says, we've had to move a satellite dish 4,000 miles. Yet again, he's bigging up the technical achievements yeah. on this thing. And it's I, just I do think that he might blood. be too deep into that at times because I don't know the yeah. or- whether the audience is impressed by him, by the, the technical specifics that he keeps sort of boasting about. Yeah, very little of it is about the actual what's going on in the Sudan and the suffering and all of that that people have gone through. It's all about getting that satellite. Yeah, they're all starving, but they, listen, that's not the point. The point is we're using a space satellite to show you the pictures of them. Because the thing is, lately at Breakfast Show every week, that we'd have somebody coming in live from America. They'd have interviews with stars in America, and that was a big part of the show. It was that. It was the thing. We're now going live by satellite. It was a major yeah. thing on telly then. Didn't happen very often. So Noel, for this, is obviously going, well, yeah, we could get someone on satellite from America, but we've done that before. Where else can we go? We've never gone before. There, there where the starving kids are. Let's What's do it there. What's that place that Geldof keeps fucking banging on about? That seems popular. Point the satellite at those cunts. Geldof seems to be lined up for a knighthood for dabbling in Africa. Let's do some of that. (laughs) Geldof and his African dabbling. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just launches Comic Relief. Yeah, that comes out of nowhere. Comic Relief is launched on this thing. Yeah, Yeah. which really makes this even more... You realise it was the first ever time it had been fucking talked about and you started seeing them do shit. And it's amazing. But, but I we'll have the strong well. sense because he, he announces Comic Relief and he says this is what Comic Relief is and we're going to have comedians on throughout of it. And some of the comedians like Billy Connolly and John Cleese are already well-established superstars. Yeah. But some of them at that stage, they became very famous. But like you'll see like, for instance, Dawn French. And I'm not yeah. sure how famous she was yet. Right. Certainly not as famous as she is now. But 
I get the strong impression that most of them Noel isn't <laughs> amused by. Well, yeah, the alternative one. Because they're alternative like Rick, Rick comics. They've come on. from the alternative yeah. um, sort yeah. of uh, world, haven't they? Like the comedy store and all of that. And so he makes yeah. a big point of going, now we're going to say it's a one, in my opinion, one of the funniest men of all time. It's Billy Connolly. And you think, because he yeah. feels safe in the hands of Connolly. Because he's like yeah. almost establishment. But the other ones, he's like, right, okay, apparently we've got to do this now. Wasn't my idea. Don't think it's funny in the least, but fine. Yeah. Apparently yeah. it's the, for charity, it's, so what are you going to do? It's, it's the Rick Miller in Edmondson bit, and it comes out of that at the end, which is a brilliant bit. It's really funny. Yeah. Like, a lot of the stuff in this in the comic relief clips are quite lazy. Very but the Rick and Ed stuff is fucking brilliant and it comes out and Noel's kind of like gritting his teeth a bit and he's like ah oh, those crazy guys so that that's what passes for comedy now is it yeah bloody hell <laughs> yeah exactly hardly more exactly. common wise is it didn't spot a single joke but fair enough if that's what the kids like that's what people want yeah yep. it's Christmas I'll give them a free pass we'll leave it there Sam because yep. Noel's about to announce the, how international this whole thing is so we'll yeah. pick it up again in the next episode with that and then we go to the live TV picks from a commercial airliner it's never been done before Whoa. he says obviously of course it's never been done before so more to come uh, it's on YouTube this thing <clears throat> just search for Noel Edmonds Christmas 1985 and you'll find it have a look um, thanks for listening goodbye goodbye Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.